so Tony here has agreed to fill in for him. Um, I figured I would just start by going over a few interesting apps that they may have been out for a while, but I don't think we've mentioned them here before, and they just caught my attention. So, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Okay, um, I'll just get through these quickly. Uh, the first one I wanted to show you guys is NASA.me. Has anyone here heard of it or used it? Um, it? It's basically a client, it's basically a client just for profiles. So it doesn't deal with kind one events or anything like that. It's just a way to view someone's profile. And I like the concept of it because I think it could ultimately replace something like Linktree. Um, but when I tested it out, I think it, um, I think it has a lot of room for improvement. Like for example, on badges, it wasn't showing all of the badges. Uh, but I think it's a great start. It's pretty. And um, it's also intended to be an easy way to, for a new user to walk through the process of creating a profile. Uh, the next app I wanted to show you, uh, this has been around for a while, but I think it's starting to, uh, I think it's starting to catch, uh, catch steam because, so what it is, is on, uh, on Noster Band, when you open an event, it actually brings up not this separate app called Noster App Manager. And I've seen it before just because I was using Noster Band and it would, it would bring up this page. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. It's, it's basically a way it's basically a way to get like a menu of apps that you can use for a particular note. Um, but, and I guess it's not loading this time, <laughs> but where it's really cool is it's a way, it's a way you can have like your own curated list of favorite apps. Uh, and it's, it's curated by you, by yourself, but you could imagine in the future something where you could possibly crowdsource that. But anyway, it supports a, an event kind that represents apps. So these are some of the new apps. Uh, Noster Nest is on there, even though it doesn't really deal with Noster events, but I guess it's justified because it deals with profile events. Like it, it pulls in your, your profile pick basically. <laughs> so I guess that qualifies it. But where it's really cool is you can see like other people who are using the app. And, and so it's a, it's a good data structure for app discovery, and it's already integrated in Amethyst slash Onyx client. So you can see what apps your friends are using. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then there's a few other apps. How, how does it get that information? Uh, which information? Oh, who's using it? So um, there's an event kind that represents an app, and then I'm assuming there's another kind, maybe it's a list where you can indicate which apps are on your profile, like basically apps that you're recommending or apps that you want to show your followers that you're using. Uh, it would be better if I could show you on Amethyst, but I don't have an easy way to do that right now, but maybe I can show you afterwards. Uh, and, and there's a few other uh, apps I found interesting, but maybe I'll get into those later. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and jump in with Tony the, into the whole discussion around uh, censorship, uh, what happened with Amethyst and where you jumped in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, hey, guys, I'm Tony. Um, I work at Mutiny Wallet, but when I'm not working at Mutiny Wallet, I've got some forking Noster clients. So uh, one of the things... Oh, yeah. One of the things with um, 
Amethyst is, you know, behind the scenes, and I guess he implemented it maybe months ago, and like no one notices that they, um, the Amethyst Deb has client side filters for spam and reports. So what that means? So on the spam side, if he 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 made some detection of like, okay, if there looks like there's duplicate messages over the last like 200 messages that a user did, then then clients would. On, so like on your phone, they would like filter that out and you would never see that user um, ever. Like unless you like clicked into multiple things or like landed on their profile by copying and pasting an NPUB and then uh, you would see that they're blocked and you would be like, well, I never, I never blocked them. So why are, why are they blocked? Um, same thing on the report side. If, if someone with a large following went around and reported people, your client, if you're following um, that, you know that that influencer or whatever, then your um, your phone after five of your follows uh, followers report someone, you get you get you get um, you know you get client side banned on Amethyst. So other people that have Amethyst, they they wouldn't see your profile. So um, uh, after just me being an angry user, not wanting censorship and client side filters and no way to turn it off. I, I, and then seeing other people have that same problem. Um, I just went out and forked it, removed the filters. And then, um, I think like 2000 people downloaded the, the same day. So I was just like, wow, I thought maybe like 10 people cared or like 20 people cared or maybe a hundred, but ended up like, you know, thousands of people actually, um, doing that. So, uh, and I, you know, maybe I can pull up the, um, uh, the GitHub for it, but um, essentially, so it got to the point. Um, Giorgio uh, slash Onyx, that should work. Cool. So it's uh, it's almost exactly the same as um, Amethyst, except like I added like six more commits, and it's really just like to rebrand it to Onyx, um, do something for the Git CI token, remove the terms of service, remove the privacy policy, no one needs that crap, and then um, turn off. Um, what ended up happening is the Amethyst Deb eventually added support for turning off the filters um, into his client. It took a few weeks, but he, he added that, or I think another contributor added that. Um, so I was like, well, what role does Onyx play now? And so I just, um, I keep the filters off by default instead of on by default. So that that's really the only difference in the Onyx anymore. Um, for a certain point, I was showing profiles that were shadow banned by Amethyst. So like if you stumbled, if you're using Onyx and you stumbled upon a profile, you would see if Amethyst would have banned it. I thought that was interesting for a little bit, but um, it takes like five minutes. Just I'm not an Android dev. I I no interest in being an Android dev, but I, I don't know Kotlin either. It's just it's just programming language that I just like. Okay, I I can delete code and that's easy enough. Um, but but yeah, uh, it takes like five minutes to keep it up to date to the latest version of Amethyst, and then so for now I'll just be a client that has default filters off. So that's. Uh, that's kind of like this censorship concerns. There's 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 opinions about like do we put the filters on clients or do we put the filters on the relays? So should the relays censor individuals or should the clients censor individuals um, based on their own policies? And uh, I know Fiat Joff is very much on the side of uh, relays being the the filters and and a lot of other people don't like that because you you get no transparency into who's being shadow banned or blocked because you don't see their profile and it's a it's a whole can of worms but uh 
But yeah, I think that sums up uh, yeah Onyx. I, I don't know what else to do with Onyx. Um, if you have ideas, let me know. But I'm not going to support it too much besides keeping it up to date. Now it's time for questions. Any questions on Onyx? Or, or yeah, or Amethyst filters or anything. Was it easy enough to build it? Or yeah. Um, yeah, it's like the main, the main thing is this commit now where I just... I just now changed true to false, and uh, that, that's <laughs> that's the, that's about as much as I can do in in Colin. It was it was a little bit more involved before, and so I, the, um, I just like continuously rebase and and I, I keep the commits really clean. So it's like very, if if I ever need to like change how the filters work or change how uh, or if the amethyst step changes how filters work, then I can just like get rid of this commit and then like figure out what I have to do now. Um, so it's, it's, it's been pretty easy. And then, I mean, honestly, the harder part was like doing the Onyx rebrand, which is just like changing out all the names of Onyx everywhere, or sorry, the names of Amethyst, like, um, changing out or where'd it, where'd it go? Uh, I got a new logo that, uh, that, that a friend made. So instead of this one, I'm now using this black Onyx, uh, icon, but like for the most part, it's just like icon changes and name changes. And that was harder than actually like remove before i just removed the code that said like is this spam and i just said no like return spam equals false you know so um that was that was easy enough still do you have anything for weedster i remember you had a yeah so uh it's funny a, a lot of people were were wanting like custom icons for hashtags and stuff and like someone was like hey i, hey, I want a weed icon for the hashtag weedster and 420 <laughs> And I was like, all right, well, that's that should be easy enough. So I added that to Onyx, and then I upstreamed it to um, Amethyst uh, like the next day, and he merged it in. So I was like, okay, now everyone gets like 420 hashtag. Yeah, it's actually a really slick icon. I, I found a great one. It looks really nice on the phone. I'll, I'll pull it up later, and you guys can see it. But I was uh, wondering why yeah. I didn't see it in the commits, but that's why. Yeah, so it's not it's not there anymore. So I I just like I just keep the commits clean. I rebate. You know, I I push up the commits that. Um, Amethyst could use or may want, and so like the Amethyst Deb, uh, he wants to. He still wants to see Onyx exist, even though like I'm not really sure what to do with it now. But he he wants it as like a test bed for experimentation, um, which I'm you know this is a really good idea. But I'm I'm not the one to uh, put in a lot of experimental Android development stuff in there, so I have, I have no time for that. <laughs> but open to other people recommending or putting their experimental things in here as well. Even if you're not an Onyx dev, you just want to, or just an Android dev, you just want to change some minor things and we can play around with it. It seems like Vitor has been supportive of what you're doing. Do you think he's saving face or do you think he generally... No, I, I, at first I thought he was copying out. It's like I was, I was an angry user with the censorships and I was, I was seeing other angry users with it. And then, you know, once I, once I forked it, um, he was, he was all in support of it, but then it seemed like he genuinely wanted other people to experiment with, um, with, with their clients as well. So he was trying to solve a problem and maybe he was over aggressive and didn't want to spend the time to figure out how to do client side filters, um, a little bit more correctly. So he was just like, I don't have time to, I solved the problem that my users were having and then I moved on. 
um, and I'm, I'm doing it in this way. So he's open to, he's very opinionated as well. So he's uh, like kind of taking the approach of like, I'm not going to build the client where you can have millions of features and options and like you can make it look however you want it to look. It's just like, uh, this is my opinion and this is my, this is the way I want to build it. And that's, but if you have an alternative way to build it or alternative idea or an opinion, then he wants to see other people fork it. Uh, fork amethyst and make their own version and in their own way and their own opinion so he's been very supportive and he and anytime it gets brought up he's just like yeah you just use onyx like he'll recommend people to use onyx if they have a problem with with some of the 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 filters and stuff with amethyst so he's pretty supportive do you have any thoughts Yeah, I think something more Web of Trust-like could work. I know that was the attempt with the reports where like if I follow, if five of my um, people I follow report an account, then I won't see it. Um, I think that starts to break down when you have a massive following of uh, like users with like thousands and thousands of followers. All it takes is five reports and then boom, someone gets dropped off, you know, the face of Noster, or at least from the Amethyst point of view. I think a little bit, uh, I think if there was maybe an event type for, um, I, I don't even know the, the best way to, to, to phrase it. Um, like a friends list of, for people that curate your feed for you? Yes. I don't, really it. I don't like, like somebody or follow somebody because I want them to curate my feed. Exactly. And that was the main problem. Just because I follow a certain individual, I may not care about their reports. And but there may be people where I follow them and but like, hey, let me inherit their web of trust. I think if there was an opt in that I'm not only following this guy, but I, I like his web of trust almost like the way um, you could imagine. Uh, I, th I think there's been some experimentation <clears throat> before with like Twitter where you inherit like maybe censored lists, lists so like or curation lists you can inherit it from other people um, if there is maybe uh, a nip for that or an event type for for that we can maybe do web of trust stuff a little bit more inherently where we just inherit other people's but um, but but yeah that that would be my idea but that that's that seems pretty hard and I don't I don't I, I don't think I would want to try to attempt that myself. I think it's maybe a little bit too early for that. I think we still want to see, you know, Nostra grow in accounts and just to see what happens, you know, without filters, because that was the number one thing when, um, when people were talking about, uh, okay, well, if you turn off the filters, it'll just be a flood of spam. And like, there was this like, no, I, I, you know, I don't want that to happen to Amethyst. And like, turns out like, you know, I used Onyx and it wasn't a flood of spam. I didn't have like, you know, just like crazy, terrible things happen, you know, in my that was feed. Actually, that was really surprising to me. Do you have any idea why it's like that? I would assume that relays would just be a nightmare if you don't have those filters. On. I, I think relays are maybe censoring more than we thought before, or they're maybe they're applied more aggressive filters filters on, on the relay side. I also think that maybe, um, you know, some of the spam problem could have died a little bit when it started to become a little bit less effective. Um, I know my global feed has like cleaned up a lot. I don't know if that's because relays are doing it. I, I also try to only have paid relays. So that kind of helps on that problem. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it may have been a problem before, but it's not so much of a problem anymore. I don't, well, besides today, I don't know if you've been on Noster today, but there's someone going around spinning up like, 
know, thousands of NPUBs and spamming just gibberish at people. Um, and so like that, that's been showing up. And But the Amethyst filters aren't blocking it. I, I turned them on and it was not blocking those messages. So there still needs to be a way to, um, you know, clean that up a bit. And I think maybe something Web of Trust like, but I think, I think yeah, we need more explicit Web of Trust stuff. In the case of um, somebody spinning up thousands of NPUBs, how does Web of Trust, even if you, even if you block if just one of your friends, they still have to like be hitting kind of whack-a-mole, right? Yeah, I think it would be, I, I think it would be less on the blocking side and more on the trusting side. So if you, th you think of the inverse of it, it wouldn't be if, if, if 10 of my friends block this person, then I will block them. I think it would be more of like, you know, certain degrees of, and there's a lot of ways you can do a web of trust thing, but like, I think more of a, a positive nature is, is, you know, it will only sh like friends of friends of friends of friends will show up, but otherwise they don't. Um, so the more people you're following, the more, you know, you, you get someone that made, but on the reverse side, it hurts people with no following at all. If you're just starting out on Nostra and you have zero, I mean, there's no difference in someone starting out on Nostra today as a, as an innocent user and someone spinning up a new spam pot as, as a, as a new NPUB. There's like no difference until that first message sends out. Um, so I don't know the best approach where like you don't sweep up new users into this, this aggression, you know, this aggressive web of trust policy, but, um, you know, it could be, uh, yeah, I don't know, but on the reverse side, if, if it takes a few blocks and someone is censored for everyone, that's also not good because there's, you know, there's probably, a good amount of influencers on Nostra today that everyone is following. So we wouldn't want just a few of those to go around blocking heavily either. Yeah, so free relays, paid relays, but trust relays. So the relays that, you know, maybe maybe they're maybe they're free. Help me expand on that idea. Maybe they're free, but that they um, they're only showing the accounts that the relay themselves uh, can can vet. have to make sure that your uh, your NPUB basically has either some type of basically you're validated or something that shows that you know you're not just a spam bot and then from there uh, and then from there you're basically allowed to you know off, you know talk within you know the knowledge something similar to that where there's some there's some either check or some event that basically looks to see okay is this a real person and how and has this person or has this account uh, also been spamming other relays, like kind of utilizing its interaction with other relays to try to get an idea of exactly how it's trustable. Is it being on paid? Is it just on free? How much is it putting it on free? You know, you know how much is posting posts on free? You know, what's the content? How people report it on free? And then so forth. So that might be some like kind of like, some like, you know, like high level idea of, you know, how a trusted relay could potentially operate. If I could take a stab at this yeah. question. Um, I think an approach like that is pretty much how the Fediverse already works, where all moderation is a responsibility of these more centralized servers, the, the instances. 
And I think we have an opportunity to do better and get away, away from that model in Noster. And I wanted to ask you, Tony, do you think um, there's a possibility that your approach to moderation would simply just put more of that burden on the relays and could end up just being more opaque yeah, I, I, I think the reason I don't like the relays getting involved in the censorship, I mean, I, I, I get they're providing the service and, and all of that, but I think you lose a lot of transparency when the relay behind the scenes on the, in the cloud is, is doing content moderation. Um, uh, and, and some people have approaches of like, well, you know, I want niche specific relays. So like you'd have a relay for, you know, your photos and, you know, maybe you specialize in art. So you have an art relay, you know, things like that. Some people want to see that as a, as an approach and that doesn't get into the censorship stuff. But, um, I think like maybe something like what you're describing, um, there could just be really just like, um, I don't know, like, 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 um, uh, attestations basically where where I say I I validate that this is a real person that's you know not a spam bot or anything and then that's kind of how we can maybe solve that Yeah, almost almost like stats for particular pub keys and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I th I think it'd be interesting, like as relays evolve and provide, you know, may maybe more APIs around stats. I think that's an that's an interesting thing. Um, I would want to see it openly. I know you can. I know some people have like their own proprietary search, you know, functionality in Noster, or you know, it's not really in Noster, but but providing APIs for search and stuff in Noster. Um, Noster band does. I think yeah. I think Noster band's one of them. Um, I think there's a few. Um, I think Noster Wine had one that was like an Elasticsearch database that you can like query all Noster events and stuff. Um, I would like to see maybe something a little bit more Noster. Uh, native, but I think you know maybe we're a little too early. Well, um, at least it's still the experimentation phase of like what what should a relay do, what can it do, how can it provide the transparency and and the user control and and um, I don't know if there's there will probably be debates of you know if if Noster blows up and it becomes a thing you know for many many years I think that's going to be an argument that we'll have for many 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 years. Um, as, as time goes on, like it's because eventually these Nostra relays are going to be like the servers that we have today if we're all using them at massive scale. So like it's it's we're almost repeating the problems that we've had um, for decades uh, all over again on Nostra and it could go in any way. And there's a million opinions about it. But at least at least, you know, we all have like NPUBs, right? Like, you know, and we didn't really all use PGP, you know, decades ago. But now it's an easy way to have something where we do have control of keys and, and we have better protections for them. So, you know, maybe this is our second stab at like recreating uh, the internet from decades ago. Are you familiar 
anything more and forking off the relays to you know add features because that seems like something that might be interesting for me to maybe potentially you know look into as far as some more API aspects. Of well, the relay yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't really know what goes on behind the scenes with relays. I assume that they might be keeping industry secrets for their own advantage over other relays. Um, I think it, at the same time, there's also a lot of momentum in relays that they don't want to change things, especially at the protocol level. Um, I think the, the protocol is designed so that the core can remain simple and not require frequent changes, but that's not to say that relays aren't implementing their own sort of uh, policies that could be completely hidden and opaque, but implementing these policies in a way to try to gain a competitive advantage. But that I think that all assumes that people are going to pay for relays. And I know I can be a bit of an outlier sometimes, but I don't really think there's, I, I think the ultimate value kind of tends to zero on what they're on what they can provide because they're ultimately just providing information. Like when you talk about, oh, maybe relays could provide statistics, maybe they could help with this web of trust process. They're ultimately just providing information that's replicable or that can be provided by somewhere else that, that can undercut the price on it. If you're talking about providing like, here's a list of users you can trust, or here's a list of users who are spam. And they'll, they'll keep trying to think of ways to monetize that. But I think my possibly outlier perspective is that a relay is simple and cheap to run if it's relatively small. And I, I still hold the possibility that, that relays can, can stay that way. And I think the gossip model is an important part of that, where you don't necessarily need to converge on these massive hubs in the network, but your client can make requests to many relays depending on who you follow or what updates you want to see. And I thought it was interesting that in an interview where the author of the gossip model, uh, he was on uh, one of the Nostra podcasts, I forget which one, it might have been on Nostrovia. Uh, and he basically has the, I think he has the thing that fixes this, but he still repeats like parrots the line, make sure you pay for your relays, folks, <laughs> gotta pay. And I'm like, Let's just see what happens if we don't pay the relays. That, that's kind of where I'm at. What do you think, Tony? Yeah, I, I, I like the gossip model in a lot of ways um, because, uh, it, and I don't know if there's a better explanation for this or, or, or if everyone knows already, but like it's kind of the idea that, you know, if I'm following, um, if I'm following Paul and he is only listening on one specific relay that might not be popular, and I try to send a message to Paul on my relays that I, I, listen to then then Paul won't see the message because he's on a completely different relay and and for a while I thought Nostra was going to have this problem um, across the board um, and and for a while I was I, I, I didn't look at Nostra because I was like that's not gonna it's not gonna be able to solve this problem this 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 um, discovery problem of profiles and then who how are you gonna make sure you're talking to the same relays as your friend um, this gossip model pretty much solves that because your relays um, are, are attached to your profile, um, your Nostra profile, so um, I can see which relays you're using. So under the gossip model, if I have, you know, if I have a bunch of followers, it really just tries to find, and, and there's this client called gossip too, um, and I, I use it a lot. And you can inspect the relay lists 
Um, you know, I have my relays that I manually put in there. I mostly just use Blaster for publishing, uh, and it gets to all relays. I kind of solve this in my own way uh, by 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 doing a relay Blaster that you send a message to it, and it literally pulls down all the relays that exist that are online and blast the same message to all of them. So that's how I, I solved that problem of, of making sure my messages get to as many people as possible. But under the gossip model, it kind of just sees like, okay, who are your followers? Who are your followings? And it connects to like the least degree amount that you need to have the same shared relays amongst as many people on your following or follow list as possible. So it tries to, you know, it does, it does that algorithm, try to f figure out, it tries to optimize for like connecting to the least amount of, unnecessary relays while still hitting the most amount of degrees of connections with everyone else. So um, that's just like a, a little bit of explanation on the gossip model. And, and, and I like it in that regards. Um, I, th I think it's, it's pretty smart to be able to, to optimize for discovery, reachability, and, 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 you know, following the same relays as, as your followers and your following. Question about Blaster. How does it discover all the relays in the network yeah so i think we use uh, for blaster for discovering the relays i think we use um Noster band they have an okay. api um that just uh, i think on their side they'll you know test out every relay you know um i don't know if it happens no it doesn't have a client side they they test out all the relays you know once every i don't know i don't know if it's once an hour or or whatever but um it just tries to see which ones are online but i think the way so that's so we use it to figure out all the online relays i think how you figure out all the relays is that you look at profiles um all the profile messages and events um because all the relays are published as profile events, right? So if you just look at all the profiles, you can find all the relays, um, at least the ones that are being used publicly. You may not find the private relays if, if it's not being posted to, to private, um, if it's not being shared as a relay, but I think for the most part, clients will just, if you, if you save a relay in your client list, in, in your app, it'll save it to your profile. Um, it doesn't technically have to, I don't think, um, but I think the way it is today, uh, everyone that posts a relay, uh, in their client and saves, saves us in their relay list, they'll, they'll get posted as a profile event and, and that's how relays are discovered today. Yeah, well, except for Amethyst that does the client side filtering, but, but yeah, all the, all the filtering pretty much happens at the, cause I don't, I don't think Domus does any client side filters at all. So if you're using, if you're using Domus, then, um, then yeah, uh, any filtering that exists is happening at the relay level today. They don't have to agree on, on how they do the filtering at all. This is kind of where, it, where I don't like the fact that it, it might not be transparent. Um, I, I know for some, I've looked at some open source, uh, relay stuff and, um, there's some policies that, that are options. So like it kind of, it shows the settings for the policy. So I, I don't know if there's any spam or filtering related policies, but, but these relay, these open source relays, the software is typically configurable. So you can, you know, play around with, I'm, I'm sure you can play around with some of the filter policies. I'm sure they did something, um, to try to solve that problem on their end. But, but yeah, there's, I, they don't have to agree on any filtering policy at all, which, which means like if, if, if 
if I have 10 relays and nine of them are filtering out the message, um, the spam message, but one of them doesn't, then, then on my client, I will see that spam message anyway. All it takes is one relay to have that spam message and then you'll, you'll see it. Um, so that's why, you know, in, in Amethyst, it even has an option to show you, if you do have spam filters turned on, it will show you the relay that spam messages are coming in from. So you, and it even shows you the relay um, for each message. So if you see a message and you're like, this is spam, you can see which relay it came in on. So eventually if there is some relays with too much spam and it's showing up on your phone, you may decide to just turn off that relay as a user. Um, and, but by doing that, you're going to also lose all the other messages on that relay as well. So they don't have to agree on filters or, and then if we especially get to the point where we have niches for NASA relays, then they're going to, they're going to censor, censor heavily. They're going to filter heavily. If it's supposed to be art, an art relay, they're going to filter everything out. That's not art. Um, and you know, there's no transparency or anything on that, but some people may want that. Yeah, um, and, and Amethyst even has, I, th I think it has some of the best options for that where you can actually select, all right, this relay I'm going to post to, this relay I'm going to read from, this relay, you know, I, I don't want to see globals at all, so don't show me any global messages from, from this relay, and, and then some are like, you know, some relays I have set, I only care about the people I'm following coming in through this or the people on my home feed or DMs. Um, so you can you can start to configure some of that, but I don't I don't think Domus has any support for some of that um, relay configuration. But I, I really love that Amethyst. That's why, you know, maybe I that's why I almost never see spam is because like my global feed, I, I only get globals from like the paid relays. Um, and I, I don't look at globals if it's not on a pay relay. Um, so I think that filters out a lot of spam just from that side. But that's, that was just the way I wanted to set it up. So like, you know, any user can set it up their own way. I think at the end, the, the reason why I do like client side filtering and management is because it puts all the power into the user's hands. And that is the most important part, in my opinion. So sure, like I don't want to see spam as much as the next guy. Does that mean I'm for censorship? No, it means that I want the power to be able to selectively choose what I see and what I don't see. You mentioned how Amethyst shows account for how much spam came from each relay. Is that based on its spam filter, just its definition of spam, or your? Yeah, the the, the client the client side definition of spam. So all the spam filters that I talked about earlier, including um, reports or just? Uh, I don't think reports. Yeah, I, th I think it's uh, just the spam part, which is like has a similar message come in the last few hundred messages for this particular profile. Okay. Did you say you took away the feature in Onyx that would display a little icon on a profile yeah. if they were blocked? Why did you take that away? I took it away because um, it it was a lot of changes I had to do that didn't really fit with the new way. Mm. Um, so once once the options came for filters, um, I just decided to to get rid of that just because it wasn't really going to work in the way that. I had it like basically I, I I coded that feature in a way where um, the filters the spam algorithms were turned on, but it didn't affect the user. Um, so that way you could see if a spam filter was going to be affecting a profile, and then so that's how I did. But it wasn't going to work at all with how the filter option uh, came to be. So I just 
I just turn that. I just turn that off. Makes yeah. sense. Okay. So, when someone gets caught in that shadow ban realm, you can't see their profile at all unless you somehow are able to link into it, and then um, uh, you can follow the person, and that will cancel out the effect of the shadow ban. But I think that type of shadow ban is only when someone's caught in the spam filter. How does it work when someone has been reported by five people you follow? Is it the same type of shadow ban or is it something different? Yeah, it, it treats it like the same. Um, the fact that they were shadow banned, um, it will, yeah, it will not show their profile in any of the feeds. And if you stumble, stumble upon it, it'll treat it as a blocked user. That, that was pretty much all shared code between the spam filters and the report filters. Um, uh, but yeah, even if someone, and that, that was the other argument I had too, is like, just because, um, so let's say you stumbled upon a shadow banned user that was, that was showing up as blocked in your client, um, to, to get, it wouldn't affect people you were following. So to get around that, just be like, okay, well, I, I want to see this guy's posts. I'll follow them. But there's this, there's still a gray area where it's like, I don't want this guy to be banned on my client, like maybe I'll see some messages from them and that's fine, but I don't want to follow them either. Like I, this isn't someone that's worthy of a follow. So there's this gray area where there are people getting banned that, that I didn't want to be banned. I, if I stumble across their post, I want to see it, but I didn't want to follow them at all. So uh, it was another gray area where like shadow bans, at least in the way it was implemented in Amethyst, it just wasn't good in my opinion. Like there, there probably should be a middle ground with these features where it's like, unban them from my filters but don't follow and then you just you just get into like you know some some particulars there but yeah cool uh i i haven't been on nostr for the last week so i hear there's some news about damas but maybe i can hear it from you guys for the first time i heard something big <laughs> so uh will who is the creator of damas I've been following it too much, but yeah. So Will, who's the creator of Domus, uh, basically got a uh, ultimatum from Apple that in 14 days, like his app will be banned uh, unless he removes Zaps from his app completely. So anybody familiar with Noster knows that Zaps are pretty much like the the biggest thing on Noster. So to remove that from your app is like a death sentence in of itself. So uh, first, he he tweeted out essentially this. Um, this verdict from Apple and then, uh, Jack, uh, retweeted it and commented on it and that blew it up. And then a bunch of people started talking about it. Uh, it, it kind of became like a, a flashpoint where everybody else was using this example of will, um, getting banned or going to be banned from the Apple store as like a, a way to like voice their concerns over the wild garden of Apple. So this was a post on Twitter that blew up. And uh, the most recent thing that I've heard about it from Will is that uh, he he talked to the Apple team um, for the App Store, I guess the review process, and they said, well, our problem is really with the fact that you can zap posts. So it's okay if you can zap someone's profile, because that's like a donation. But if you zap somebody's post, it's like you're paying for that content in a sense. At least that's that's their that's how they see it. 
or that's how they chose to see it. So uh, I don't know what the update is for that. I think that um, that's still kind of where things are at. Um, it might have extended the deadline uh, that Will has to like make changes to the Domus app. I don't know if he's actually going to remove the ability to zap posts, but that's kind of where things are now. It's um, so yeah, it's it's kind of like a stalemate between Apple and and Domus right now on what's going to happen. And then Jack and a bunch of other people are essentially using, they're making this as public as possible because this is like an issue with censorship. And um, they they also like, you don't want the precedent to be that, you know, anybody that touches lightning, uh, essentially, uh, if your app uses lightning in any way, you get banned from the app store. So yeah, people are making this their fight. Like this is, this is sort of like the hill that so some people want to turn into a battleground. You mentioned you don't want that to be the precedent, but is it possible there could be a silver lining where people realize that this is sort of an act of resistance and the powers that be are not necessarily going to condone it, but they need to make sure these things are usable regardless? Uh, well, I mean, me personally, I just think like we should just move to web apps. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like the concept of App Store. Um, you could... I mean, the web is supposed to be that distribution platform. You know, you don't need an application-specific distribution platform. Um, but uh, there is like, you you do get this really cool walled garden where if you do develop a native app, that you have all of this access to the phone that you normally wouldn't have access to the web from the if if you were a web app. So it it is, I don't know. It, it's just like from from Apple's perspective, like why would they? essentially give away their own lunch. Like they, they have this walled garden that they've constructed and they make a lot of money on it. So why would they not act like the mafia? And why would they let other competitors in? Why would they give up their golden goose? Like why? So I understand it from their perspective. Um, I don't know what, like what the path forward is really. I, th I think it is like what everybody's doing now is just like putting visible social pressure on Apple um, I saw this one really cool post. I don't know who to attribute it to, but they basically um, lambasted Apple by showing uh, pictures of their original advertisements when they first got into the game in the 90s. They had like these cool 1984 advertisements <laughs> where they they were the the rebels. They were the ones that were like breaking the mold. And then now it's it, it's kind of like that was a really cool post because it kind of shows like how far they've come. Into, they, uh, they definitely are the tyrants now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's like in a nutshell what was going on with Domus. They're sort of wrestling with Apple right now, trying not to get banned from the App Store. Thank you. Yeah. Do you know if anyone has ever like filed a lawsuit against like getting banned in the sense that okay, Apple has these policies. They say that we're breaking these policies, but if we can prove in court that we're not, can you make a lawsuit out of that? Or do, have you heard of anyone doing that? I haven't heard of an active lawsuit. No. Um, Epic, the company, what, what were they suing over? Oh yeah. So, uh, we were talking about this at BitDevs. like, why would Apple choose to pick on Domus? Because you sort of like, you're casting light on Domus as an app and, and lightning and all this other stuff. So like, why would Apple choose to pick a fight with Domus? And I think from Apple's perspective, and we were sort of talking about this at BitDevs, is that Apple might see Domus as like the gateway drug to all of these other apps that actually solicit you to buy things and, and try to make these like in-game casinos. 
as like if if you let Domus do it in its innocent way, then you're really allowing all these other apps to sort of like pile in and create all these little in-game casinos, um, which they have been trying to do with crypto. So that might be why Apple is like having the their concerns. And uh, yeah, so I don't I don't know the issue with Epic, but I can see why they would be uh, upset with Apple too, because like their entire platform is all about like these like microtransactions in the game and selling in-game items. So they do. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, but it, I think it would take a big company because when this was an issue with Microsoft and Internet Explorer, like it took other big companies in the game to like really bring about this lawsuit. Like Will can't afford a lawsuit against Apple. It's not going to happen. So yeah, so I, I guess I don't know. I'll have to look into that, to that lawsuit. Um, that, that seems like it might be interesting. Maybe, maybe Domus might want to sign on to that lawsuit as well. Maybe that's like where we draw the line and start fighting for, to take some of our rights back from these app stores. I don't know. I, there was an reporter that was banned for like getting too many strikes or something, but then he proved that uh, like all the strikes were illegitimate. And I think he was successful. So maybe it's something similar to that, where you know, you, a user on Twitter can sue and say you weren't supposed to ban me and uh, be successful. I don't remember what his arguments were, but um, he was able to get back on Twitter. Okay. But that's like a is is that like a free speech issue versus? Yeah, because it's touchy, like trying to go against a platform uh, for their ability to uh, censor you because they kind of have a right to censor you. It's their platform. By saying that he was banned for having the wrong speech, they were saying he's lying to the public and he wasn't lying. Um, yeah, I think it's the way they say it and then the way that terms of service policies that exist where it's just like he's able to prove by the, the, their language and by that terms of service use that Twitter went against what they promised. And I think that's where you may be able to have a case. But otherwise, yeah, the Twitter owns the platform. They're still promising things through terms of service and, and, and some of the language. So, yeah, I don't like going back to the I guess the the issue with Apple and their App Store. Like, I don't know if you have a legal leg to stand on because their terms of service is pretty strict, and you agree to it to be within their walled garden. You agree to their terms. So, uh, I don't know how you sort of like break out of that legal um so they, they built this legal shell around their app store i don't know how you break out of that because you do agree to be on their platform you do agree to use their device they're in an even better position because like part of their part of the way that they market themselves as a company is that like essentially we own you and then there's people that want that they want a, a single company that builds the hardware builds the software is responsible for everything is responsible for the environment so uh, I don't know how you as an individual that is publishing on chooses to publish on their platform on their device to their users, how you then convince a court that you have some rights that somehow supersede all of the legal terms that they've put forward uh, that you that you agreed to to be on their platform. That's a tough one to break out of.
Yeah, we do. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad that I'm not the judge on this case. Uh, you can't, you can't, but then I don't know if like, like, um, what was pointed out earlier, like first amendment really covers like your speech against the government, not essentially your speech against a commercial entity or your right to publish on their platform or do business in their store. So it's like, they have a right too. So they have right to refusal and they can refuse to do business with you. So how, how do you navigate around where a company becomes so big that essentially they are the platform, there really is nowhere else to go. So then they pretty much can decide like whether you are, you're, you're made or you're broken as a company, uh, whether or not they allow you to do business inside their store. So I'm not sure how you navigate that legally. That's a tough one. Nostra is we're not we're not using force and we're not forcing these companies to give us a platform. We're just all like opting out and like you said, I, I it seems like a web app development would be like much more incentivized now that so we don't have to rely on any app store. Like I, I could use a mobile web type of service to get to use Nostra. I don't know if that's a future anytime soon or what do you think on that? Um. Web apps would be the way to go, but the, the th browsers need to be able to have more access to native APIs on the devices that they run on, uh, which like there is a web API in, in browsers now that is a standard that gives you access to a lot of important things. So that is being pushed forward. I think, uh, yeah, I think like essentially like having it to where web apps are as close as you can get to native apps. And then you don't need an app store because then the web is your app store, essentially. So I feel like ultimately that's the way things should go and that's the way things are moving. But in the meantime, there is a, a massive market of people that don't care about any of this. And all they really care about is they want to point and click and download things and not lose uh, all of their passwords and their banking information. So... Apple does provide the service and so does Google with their Play Stores where they like, well, less much with Google's Play Store, but they vet everything that goes into the store. And so there are people that want that safety. They want that walled garden. Um, and yet for web apps to be the solution, like web apps essentially have to have a way to be as secure as native apps can be. And right now, uh, that's, they're not there yet, essentially. But, you know, we're getting there. But on desktop, like you can, you can take the full like web benefits of like a web app and web environment, and you can compile it to an executable and have it be a native app with all the access to the native resources you need, right? Yeah, an another way to do it is sideloading. So Android lets you sideload apps, and that allows you to have like your own third-party stores on on uh, Android phones. So like I I have. Google Play Store, but I also have F-Droid, uh, which is like a completely separate app store that takes advantage of sideloading. Apple does not let you sideload applications, which is like, I think, probably one of the bigger hurdles than trying to get into their store. On your desktop, yeah. If, if you have a Mac, you can... There's like a alternative app store that if you have a Mac, you can install apps directly to your phone, basically using kind of like 
developer tooling type stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. But that's it's a much higher bar than like F -Droid. Well, so on uh, on Mac, there's nothing stopping me from just going on the internet and downloading a an application off the internet. Install apps. You can silo apps to your phone. You can silo apps to your phone. Oh, I didn't even know that. Why doesn't everybody do that? I guess you need a Mac to do it. Oh, that's a problem because they also control that very heavily. Yeah. Because so yeah, so if you get banned from the App Store, you can also get banned from Test Flight, and then you can't develop. Seems so like there's a wall of censorship with Apple, and no matter how you try to skirt around it, it you're always going to run into this wall. Like, even if you're talking about mobile apps, I would expect that if you're talking about mobile apps being able to take on more functionality, more native functionality, well, they could just find a way to block those uh, browser apps, right? Yeah, I think on, maybe the solution really is sideloading because that's what works for Android, and it works just fine. Like, I don't care what the Google Play Store does. Um, but it, in Apple, it's not that easy to sideload apps. I think there's something, there's some legal battle going on in the European Union with Apple, where I think the EU is forcing them to allow sideloading on their apps, but I think it's EU only. So yeah, ru rules are like a lot different in the EU than they are in the US. Like for example, like you can get refunds on software in the EU where you can't do that in the US. Um, which it's like if you ever use Steam as a platform or played with games on Steam, like they, they had to jump through all of these sort of like legal hurdles and development hurdles to try and like create this platform where you can get refunds. And it, and it sort of like forces you to sort of um, develop for, I don't want to say the lowest common denominator, but kind of like the path of least resistance. So if you have to put uh, a refund ability in your app so that people can get refunds because you're legally supposed to in order to do business in a particular market, then you might as well just do that for all of your markets because you don't want to have to maintain like different versions of your software for like different parts of the world. So it pushed Steam. So a lot of the, 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 the regulation that happened in the EU pushed Steam to essentially allow refunds on software um, for games. Um, so I think that maybe we might see a repeat of this uh, if the EU pressures Apple to allow sideloading on their phones. Um, maybe we'll see that like uh, trickle down to the US as well. So one can dream. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I Thank think you. my final note on the whole thing, like, yeah, I didn't know this story, but it doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, and I, I see parallels between this situation and Bitcoin itself where uh, you, you can expect a, a defense uh, through political means or, or by appealing to whoever is a higher authority over, in this case, Apple. Uh, that, that approach, I think, is a waste of time because ultimately, like, you control your hardware and software or you don't, or someone else is in control. So if we're dealing with Apple products, um, I think it's pretty clear that yeah, you can't be fully in control of that stack from the hardware up to the software. And maybe that will change in the future. But right now it's just a game of like, oh, they didn't they did something I didn't like. Is there somebody else who can fix this? Uh at least with uh PCs, web apps, and Android phones, you have the ability to opt out entirely. 
And if you're talking about building a new decentralized economy with a new money, uh, I think the path to get there is definitely not through political appeals or any kind of uh, regulatory uh, environment that might be more favorable. I think it's 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 strictly by uh, just um, acting without permission as Bitcoin was intended to operate. So I'll wrap it up there. Thanks.